Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, two Ivy League degree haver, and I am joined. Yo, <laughs> as always, can we just talk about that for a second? <laughs> can, I, can I get your? You, can I get you your don't even have two, You don't even have two Ivy League degrees. You were so no Ivy League degree. I mean, Bowdoin College is often called the Ivy of Maine, as uh, many people refer to it as that. Um, but yeah, something something last episode just ticked a nerve in me. I just started making up Ivy League degrees. That, that was maniacal. Really? Yeah, no. I have one. Uh, I could have just rested on the laurels of that one, but no. You you accused me of being like uh, going through my entire life of being incorrect, and it snapped. Something snapped in my brain, and I needed to, I needed to come at your throat. Is Skidmore College considered an Ivy League? Nope. The Ivy Seriously. League of Saratoga Springs. Oh uh, yeah, I'll give you that. <laughs> that is that is the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from the Athletic, Jay King. Recording live from an undisclosed New York hotel room because last night he was in Brooklyn to see the Boston Celtics take down the Brooklyn Nets 109-98 in a game which there was no Jalen Brown, which I will talk about his injury uh, a little bit later in the pod. No Al Horford because it was the second night of a back-to-back. And a really just tired-looking Jason Tatum who only scored 20 points and just didn't really have it on the offensive end. This was a game that really felt like it was carried by Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, and Derek White, who just all three of them turned in phenomenal performances and brought a lot of energy to this game in which uh, they didn't have a lot of depth and they didn't have uh, a lot of the star power. And yes, Kevin Durant was not there, but I actually was pretty impressed with um, – the effort and just what the Nets were able to to do. It was a lot of Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons being on the court at the same time, which was beneficial uh, to the Celtics. But, Jay, you're in the building. What was your biggest takeaway from the, the Celtics beating the Nets last night? Yeah, I thought uh, it was just a solid, solid win for the Celtics. They are now 7-0 and on the second leg of back-to-backs. Which is even crazier when you consider that Al Horford hasn't played on the second leg of back-to-backs. And Blake Griffin was starting a number of those. Like, it's just weird. Um, and they're one and six with two two days of rest. So, the less rest, know. the better the Celtics are. <laughs> Maybe they should hope for playoff back-to-backs. 
but but it was just it was just it was on the depth honestly it was so important from Luke Cornett's minutes in the first quarter like he came in hit a hit a hook shot hit a three from the corner um guarded Ben Simmons and darn it Jay King goes on the road and they just uh he starts talking about Ben Simmons and he gets he gets silenced by the uh I don't know the Ben Simmons big Ben Simmons out there um not sure what happens hopefully with Jay hopefully he will um pop back up here uh but yeah the bench Pretty much production, uh, Sam Hauser didn't really do much, but Luke Cornett, Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard all had huge games. Um, Brogdon uh, has been a lot better recently. Uh, it really seems like they give him the offense when um, he's in the game. It's just like, okay, Malcolm Brogdon, your turn to shine. Um, and I think he's just been very productive, been very aggressive in terms of getting to the rim um, and then has been able to sprinkle in some of that three-point shooting. Uh, I think it's funny. Every single time Peyton Pritchard has a good game, we're going to be like, wow, how does Peyton Pritchard come off the bench and and continue to stay ready? Uh, but he's just a professional basketball player, and just he made some aggressive plays. He had that one shot, like a, a high arcing shot uh, in after dribbling in the paint that was uh, had no business going in, but he definitely was feeling it. And I just thought the Celtics, um, that lineup, that I think it worked uh, with a number of different iterations. But Derek White, Malcolm Brogdon, Peyton Pritchard, are, are definitely a smaller lineup. Uh, had a good stint in the second half. I think they went on like a 9-0 run to uh, get the Celtics back in the game. And then they were largely on the court in that fourth quarter where the Celtics kind of extended their lead and uh, – were able to win this basketball game. I just thought they did a really good job of being aggressive and keeping the pace up. It felt like it was kind of a slog uh, in those moments with Tatum and I would say with Smart on the court, although I think Smart, you know, being the point guard that he is, turned in a very good uh, performance, uh, eight eight assists from Smart. But with, with Tatum on the bench, I just thought – White, Brogdon, Pritchard, those three guys. And there's some different configurations around them at one point. I think it was Hauser and uh, Grant. I think Cornette joined them. But those three guys, I thought it really did a good job of keeping the pace. Um, and I believe we've regained Jay King. I don't know what's going on with, uh, with your... Uh, <laughs> but what did you just think about the energy that those three guys, a smaller lineup that I don't think we've really seen a lot of like uh, White, Brogdon, Pritchard playing together without any of the stars, just like the energy that those three brought um, to this team. Cause they had a huge run, as I mentioned earlier in the second quarter to kind of, they went on an eight zero run to bring the, t- like tie the game. And I think they were on the court early in the fourth quarter to really kind of generate a, the larger lead against the Nets. Yeah. I, I thought that was, I mean, that was the biggest stretch of the game and it probably was a lineup that the Celtics haven't used all season. If they've, maybe pretty rarely, uh, but the start of the fourth quarter and the run really started at the end of the third, but the start of the fourth quarter, it was Pritchard, Brogdon, Cornette, Grant Williams, and uh, Derek White. And obviously not a lot of perimeter size in that lineup, but they were just everywhere. 
And the defense is really good. Derek White had an awesome block of TJ Warren, and his his shot blocking has just been outrageous. He he does this every game. Every game he's good for just one absurd block where it's like, oh, that guy. I thought that guy was going to get an easy dunk or an easy layup, and then Derek White comes in. He had another great just contest of Kyrie, where Kyrie had an open lane to the rim and he slid over and just jumped straight up and ended up Kyrie missing it. He is he is phenomenal. He just makes great plays at the rim every night. Yeah, and it, just. Just the way he is, uh, and I, I was talking about this with uh, one of the other Celtics writers, and just the way that their bench players have bought in is is pretty impressive because it was on Team USA. Obviously, like he wasn't your normal team USA player. Um, but he was on team USA. He was a starting guard. He ran a lot of offensive men. And, and it's, 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 he's no longer on the ball a lot. And he doesn't care. Malcolm Brogdon has played less than 24 minutes a game. He was cooking against Brooklyn and he put 20 minutes. And no matter what, he's never going to play more than, like, half the game. He's played 30 minutes or more three times a season. And I, the way those guys react to that um, has to help Peyton Pritchard, who's not playing a lot most of the time, who clearly isn't in the role that he thinks he deserves. And he's been really uh, and you know, Cornette did a really good job with minutes when Robert Williams was out. Now he's not playing all the time or barely playing sometimes. And and they've they've just handled that all that really maturely. And I think the locker room has really been a good one, a focused one. And uh there are no problems, even though a lot of these guys could be mad about the the roles that they're in and and the minutes that they're playing and stuff like that. Uh, there's just none of that. And I think that's partly because guys are in the right stage of their careers. Like Brogdon has said, you know, if, if he hadn't been a, a first option, second option in Indiana, then this, this would have been a tougher ass for him earlier in his career. Um, White, I think it's just the way he is. He doesn't care. He just wants to play good basketball, make the right read, everything like that. Um, and then Pritchard, like Pritchard, because he's young, because he's still on his rookie contract, like he could be pissed off. But he, he's done a really good job handling all that. I just think it's really impressive that there's there hasn't been any any jealousy. There hasn't been any um, like like frustration, at least outward frustration from from those guys, any of those guys. Like couldn't add him in, in that. Uh, he handles it really well and never plays, and that's got to be a good example. If Blake Griffin isn't going to complain, like, how are you going to complain if you're paying pressure? You know. I mean, you could. It would be a ballsy move if you're Peyton Pritchard uh, to just come in and complain about minutes. But he's he's made the uh, most of all of his opportunities. I think you're right about Brogdon. Like that, I think that was a big question coming into the years how he's going to adjust to being a sixth man. I think it helps that they just like turn the offense over to him uh, basically when he has the ball. But um, 
you're right. The, the chemistry of the team seems completely unaffected where like, and it's kind of wild that the contrast in the two games um, that they played on the back-to-back because in that Pelicans game, it was really all about stars. It was Jalen Brown just deciding, all right, I'm going to, this is going to be one of those nights where I score 35 plus and Jason Tatum throws in a casual 31 because that's what he does on this night. They just, didn't have Brown, didn't have Horford, needed all these contributions. And I think that's a, a good sign for the Celtics is because I don't think the shooting of the first 25 games of the season is returning, but it feels like they're learning how to win basketball games um, when they don't necessarily uh, have an outrageous shooting performance or three. Like last night they were 12 of 36, only 33% from three, but still – found a ways to win games. And I think it was largely on their defense. Uh, I think it was something you tweeted out, but it's not really surprising. This is the second game that Rob Williams has started and the second game that they've held a team to under 100 points. Rob Williams played the most minutes he's played all season last night, just a tick under 30. Um, But he just clearly has such a huge impact. And I think when he's on the court, you can just feel the, the Celtics defense just being that much more impactful and that much better. Yeah, he just, I mean, he's able to erase so many mistakes. Uh, if you look at their last five games, the, during this five-game winning streak for the Celtics, defensive rating is 106.1, which I believe would, yeah, would lead the league pretty handily if if they had that for the whole season. Um, and that's that's with Rob now starting to play a little more minutes. Um so the defense is coming along, and and it's been good all season, but but Rob Williams he takes it to another level. So, like obviously Grant wasn't there, um, but that just it was a mature performance. The especially in the fourth quarter. The Nets, like, didn't get anything they wanted. And I, I felt like almost all the damage that the Nets did was in transition. And part of that is because Ben Simmons is just much, much better in transition than he is in the half court. Um, but they got a bunch of run-out buckets. They got a bunch of early shot clock Joe Harris threes. They got a bunch of stuff like that over the first two, two-and-a-half quarters. And then the Celtics kind of shut that stuff off. And and part of it was probably that they were just playing better offense and able to set their defense and not be racing back while Ben Simmons is coming at you and, and throwing the ball ahead and and Joe Harris is spotting up. That's just a lot to deal with, even without Kevin Durant. Um but there was just they they it was a very good scattering report like last three and a half minutes, they were very sharp in everything that they needed to be sharp in. And I just felt like, like on the second leg of a back to back playing a lot of bench guys, including a couple of bench guys who don't play a lot anymore. And Luke Cornett and Peyton Pritchard. Uh, it's just that that was really, really good stuff. Um, and like Tatum did not have it. That was the worst shooting game I've probably ever seen from him. It was just yeah, disgusting. It was ugly. It was just like, oh, you're you're tired, man. You you played a back to back. Like it was clearly just like he he didn't have it. And in, in fact, like possessions, 
I feel like they had a lot of wasted possessions, like trying to get Tatum posted up on guys, and it was just like that didn't work. Or possessions where it was just Tatum going one on one against a matchup you like is like there was that was not how the Celtics were getting good offense. A lot their good offense came from um, getting the ball, paint touches, passing the ball around, finding Derek White in the corner. That was the big three, the dagger three at the end of the game was, was actually Tatum finding. Uh, I think he could have taken the shot himself, but found White uh, open in the corner. First time in a while that Derek White's made more than, uh, I think, two or three three-pointers in a game. He was four for seven, um, a quality performance for him. But, yeah, Jason Tatum, did uh, for whatever reason, on a, uh, like, terror, I, you, this is a bad Jason Tatum performance, and he still turned in 20, 11, and five. So, like, that just shows you the level that he's at. But um, he clearly just didn't have it tonight. And uh, thankfully, I think, for Celtics fans, they now have uh, – two games uh, in Charlotte and uh, the reeling Charlotte Hornets. Uh, hopefully Tatum gets some time to uh, perhaps rest up uh, over the long weekend. Yeah. The, the reeling Charlotte Hornets indeed. Maybe. Uh, they, the one like rotation tweak that seems notable over the last couple of games, um, Sam Hauser not playing in the second half. Yeah, because he hasn't done anything. He doesn't make shots anymore. And so they like, they can't play him. It, like, makes sense. You give him a chance to see if he's got it, and he's just, like, not had it in the first half. And so it's like, all right, you're not a second-half player then, Sam Hauser, if you're not coming in and nailing your threes. I'm taking your silence, so you uh, Jay King. <laughs> he should be banished? I know. I, I, like the, I like the system they have. If Can he doesn't now? make his shots in the first half, then he doesn't get to play in the second half. Yeah, the uh, I, I don't know if it's about that or like the first game, the game against the Pelicans, he was just getting tortured by CJ McCollum in the first half, and McCollum just went at him, went at him, went at him, and and McCollum was hitting some tough shots. Like, wasn't like he was just making layups all the time on on Hauser, but. He was really torturing the Celtics um, by going at Hauser every single possession. So it's an interesting tweak to go with Brogdon and Pritchard together and use Pritchard more in that role. Obviously, the Celtics get really small in that time. But but I do think, like, maybe that could be okay. Maybe that could be all right. And it's a way – I think you can get away with that more – when Robert Williams is healthy, when Robert Williams is able to play more minutes, he played 30 in against Brooklyn, which was easily the most he's played all season. His minutes restriction has been loosened a little bit. Um, and, and when you can play him, Robert Williams next to Grant Williams in the front court or Robert Williams next to Al Horford in the front court and just stay big or Luke Cornett, next to Grant Williams, which is how they did it in Brooklyn. Um, it's it's easier to get away with a super small backcourt like Malcolm Brogdon and Peyton Pritchard. So I, I don't know if that's going to be a permanent tweak. Don't know if that's like just something they're looking at lately. Um, but Hauser's diminishing role is, is definitely notable. Um, and again... Like I said the other day, uh, 
when when looking ahead at like the the trade deadline and stuff like that, I do think another wing to to maybe take Hauser minutes and it, not that he'll necessarily play in the playoffs anyway, but but that could be a spot where they look to upgrade if possible. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, and it, you like I think the Robert Williams factor is absolutely correct. Like It's much easier to play smaller guards who can kind of increase the ball pr- pressure and maybe let guys go past them a little bit more just when you have Williams at the rim able to kind of clean everything up. Um, I do want to talk about Jalen Brown in two facets, uh, just turning in an absolutely like dominant laser like performance where he's just like, it was clear from early on. He was like, Oh, he has it tonight. He's going to score 40 and two where that, where did this, uh, adductor injury come from? How long is he going to be out and how concerned <laughs> should Celtics fans be about the injury? Uh, I don't think they should be too concerned. Mazula said he could miss a week or so. Uh, doesn't seem like it's going to be a super long thing. He tried to give it a go Thursday, which is a sign that he's not far away. Uh, it's not like too, too bad of a, an issue. He, I saw him walking around in Brooklyn, and he looked like he was walking totally fine. So I wouldn't be too, too concerned about it. Um I don't think he'll miss too much time. The next two games are in Charlotte and in Charlotte. So they shouldn't need Jalen Brown to to win those games. Quick uh, quiz, quick quiz. What is an adductor? It's a muscle near the groin, I believe. 
It's an important group of muscles located in your inner thighs that serve to bring your legs toward the center of the body. Well done, Jay King. You passed the quiz. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I, I had to uh, research it. Oh, like what? For your job? Uh, yeah. When, when it comes <laughs> out that a Celtic player has an adductor strain, it's, it's normally good for me to know what an adductor is. So, uh, you didn't need to go to the Ivy League to learn that one, huh? Uh, no. Well, I did. I, I went to uh, Skidmore College. <laughs> Saratoga's the Ivy. The Ivy League of Upstate New York. Uh, um, it's very, uh, you know, astute uh, reporting by you. But I want to get back to Jalen Brown and just his performance against the Pelicans. And he's he's just been very good. I don't know what exactly has made him that much better. It's, it just seems like his two-point shot making, like I think we discussed like a couple weeks ago, is like it can't continue to be this good. And then it just kind of seems to continue to be this good. His making is just ability to attack the rim. He had some crazy spin move through a double team after I think he blocked uh, Valanchunas against the Pelicans. Just like his aggression and ability to attack the rim has just been wild and it just there's some nights where it's just like it's like oh this is an aggressive Jalen night and in the past it's been like first quarter Jalen where maybe he scores you know 15 in the first quarter and then kind of fizzles out but against the Pelicans it was a four-quarter performance where he was just like I'm taking this to the Pelicans for the entire entire game especially in the moments when Valanchunas weren't was not on the court it's like I have zero respect for Jackson Hayes or Larry Nance ability to stop me at the rim and it was just like damn he's he's he has a I don't know if he's arrived I, I, I believe he was already there but I was just thoroughly impressed by just like he was going to make his impact put his impact on the game and he just like went out and did it and there was just nothing the Pelicans could do to stop him yeah he was uh he had some big boy moves in that game the the and one that was basically just through the middle of Dyson Daniels was was really impressive. I'm a I'm a big fan of Dyson Daniels. I think he's going to end up being really really good and a really really good defender. Um, and he's like six seven. He's got a sturdy frame, but he's a rookie. And Jalen Brown was not going to let that rookie stand in his way. Um, just just really powerful stuff. So yeah, uh, I mean, John, he's had some some really really big games this season. I, I was surprised that it was his first time with forty. It feels like everybody's getting forty this year, and uh, for Jalen Brown, a guy who gets pretty hot sometimes, like he has streaks where it's just like bang 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 bang. He does makes one play after the next. Uh, And just just the efficiency, fifteen for twenty one from the field, like that's just really, 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 really impressive stuff. Yeah, bro, I'm there. You there, bro? Uh, I, I didn't know how to follow up. Really, really, really impressive stuff. Um, but you know, uh, I would have to agree. Just popped up. Well, that was not a really, really, really impressive work by by our host, Sam Jam Packer. Oh, sorry. I've been uh, carrying you with your whack-ass Wi-Fi through this entire podcast. And so the timing issue has uh, not been ideal. Um, 
So, you know, give me a little yeah, credit. The, the, the Wi-Fi in this hotel is suspect. Well, I think you should write a, a, a calmly worded letter to their management and let them know that uh, you're uh, podcasting with a professional sports fan and that you need you need better bandwidth. Yeah, I, I do need more bandwidth. Uh, <laughs> give, give me extra bandwidth or at least some Marriott points. Refund me some Marriott points for this shit. Uh, well, now we know what hotel it uh, might have been, but... You know, uh, Kirk Goldberg. There's a lot of Marriotts in New York. Bro. <laughs> yeah, well, now we know what company. Um, Kirk Goldsberry, where's ESPN always does like the efficiency landscape of like the last 10 games. And he just posted his, the Celtics uh, over that stretch have the third best net rating, the fifth best offense and the sixth best defense. And so you talk about like teams that are contenders. You always look at like the top five uh, defense, top five offense. Uh, as the, the kind of elite, according to Joe Missoula, who apparently just he likes to use statistics to manipulate his narrative and fully admit it as such after the Pelicans game. They're top five offense, top five defense, top five in uh, expected uh, field goal percentage. I thought that was a fun moment from uh, Bazooka Joe. Uh, but the Celtics are just playing well on, on both ends of the court right now. Uh, and they beat the team with a number one net rating in the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Obviously, Kevin Durant uh, was not there, but... The Celtics are firing uh, on all cylinders. Like, what what more do they have to do other than just, like, continue doing this and continuing working Rob uh, back into the starting lineup? It's just, like, them staying healthy feels like the most important thing for them to for the rest of the season. And from a bigger perspective, uh, it's, just, it's, it's been a good response to giving up 150 points to Oklahoma City. Like, that was just an abomination of a game. And then Joe Mazzulla called out the role players afterward. And the Celtics have now won five straight games. In these five games, the depth has been really important. Um, just just a lot of good games from, from a number of players in the supporting cast. So a good response from them. Uh, and... Yeah, it was good to see Robert Williams play 30 minutes. Um, that's important for the Celtics, obviously, to get him ramped up, to get him starting to play more minutes because come playoff time, they're going to need him to do that. Um, and this Brogdon just never going to play. Like, even in the playoffs, he's just never going to play more than, like, 24 minutes, 25 minutes. I like. I, I wouldn't know. be. I wouldn't be surprised. Like, obviously – they, they just have him on a plan so that his body doesn't have too much on it. But, but it's just, it's, it's, it's weird when he cooks and absolutely cooks and then they're like, all right, 20 minutes for you. That's it. Well, it's like if Derek White's going to continue to play this well, are you going to play him over Derek White? Like that's in that like closing lineup. That's, uh, Bad. Like and and if you're gonna go to double bigs more often, you're uh, like, are you gonna close with Brogdon over Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? Like, there's the there's a beauty in the in the depth of this team, and, and like you talked about Brogdon accepting his role. I guess you could see situations where if he's really cooking, like to maybe leave him on the court more. But they just have so much talent still on this team, where it's like if you the more minutes you give to Brogdon, it's like the less you're giving to White. Uh, and the less you're giving, I guess, to those 
the the kind of the three headed monster that it like are those guys. So it's just a real beneficial position for the Celtics to be in. Yeah, that, that's that's beneficial. Sorry, I got a text and wasn't listening to you at all, but I'm sure it's a very beneficial position for the Celtics. Whatever you said, the Celtics having has Celtics having time? depth. I'm transitioning right now. I'm light on the junk because uh, only took notes during the uh, Pelicans game. Was uh, I was uh, hanging out with my nephew during the Nets game, so have less junk there. But starting off, new segment from the Celtics at home games. It's called Junior Jammers. It's where they get a bunch of four and five year olds to come out and do a dunk contest uh, on a, like one of those small mini hoops and. Great segment. I think it's good. But then Would they you call say, yourself a senior jammer? Um, I'm getting up there in age. I am over 30, so I would – I could believe – yeah, I would, I would call myself a senior jammer. Um, I, would, I would work these kids in the dunk contest. But the thing that makes it so funny to me is that they, like, try to decide a winner by audience applause and – I think the the last two times they just said, okay, everyone wins. And so it seems like it's an entirely charade, but it just has the potential for an entire stadium to like boo a kid for being a bad at the dunk contest. And I'm just waiting for that to happen. Like junior jammers could go south real quickly. And I'm just imagining some kid just really butchering his dunks and getting booed by the entire, everyone at the TD garden. And I think that would be funny. Well, you got to learn how to go through it. You gotta, if you don't live up to expectations, if you don't, if if you don't show the proper compete level, then I don't care what age you are. You deserve to get booed. Uh, you know, I agree. If you're going to compete, if you're going to be babies in the, in the baby race, <laughs> the babies who don't compete. Yeah. No, if you're going to have a, a, a junior jammer, if you want the title of junior jammer, you got to earn it. Uh, just as we require for all halftime performers uh, here on this program. Uh, just got to say Trey Murphy. That guy can dunk. That guy can leap out the gym. He's impressive. He should be in the dunk contest. Uh, I just liked everything Trey Murphy did on the court for the Pelicans. Yeah, that dude. That dude can jump. And he can really shoot. That dude's pretty good. Uh, Jason Tatum has evolved into kind of a premium grifter. I think he's just doing a much better job at drawing fouls. Even some nonsense fouls. Just got to get him credit for that. Um Let's see. Uh, the Celtics dancers now are a co-ed dance team. Um, so I just give them credit for that. It's not about like this weird Jerry Buss trying to b- bring a bunch of sexy lady- ladies on the court. It's about the dance. And the Celtics dancers have brought in the best talent, the best dancers to get the job done. It's no longer about uh, gender or objectification. Or it is, but it's equal opportunity objectification and either way, I think it's progress for the uh, NBA dance team. All right. <laughs> no, no thoughts on that. No, not going to weigh in on the gender debate, Jay King. No, no, I'm not. No, nope. <laughs> that's probably for the best. Um, and then the final one, you know, the kid. Uh, he's a famous Celtics fan. Uh, he always wears the the Havlicek jersey, number seventeen. He's got the glasses, and he's just been dancing on the jumbotron for years. No. You know him. He's a no. kid with the glasses. He's always dancing, and he, like, 
first started doing it when he was like eight years old. And now he's like, we fully witnessed him go through puberty. And now he's like a 22 year old kid who looks pretty much the, the same as he did, but he's still dancing on the Jumbotron. Still don't know. Yeah. Bro, you would know him. I'll show you a picture of him uh, and you'll be like, oh yeah, that kid. Everyone, everyone listening knows what I'm talking about. And just like laughing at Jay King's um, ignorance. People want to talk about the um, Jalen Brown sweater uh, yesterday's game. Did you have uh, any thoughts on the baby blue uh, puffy sweater uh, Jalen rocked in Brooklyn? I wouldn't have even noticed it except it came on the heels of Jason Tatum's baby blue like cookie monster outfit. So this is all this is all Kemba Walker influence. Kemba Walker had the best coat game i've ever seen kemba walker would come in with a fantastic coat every single game and he clearly taught he never uh, i I don't think he ever wore the same coat twice no kemba walker has hundreds of coats and he's never worn the same one twice yeah so yeah i i i I don't really have strong thoughts either way on uh the two puffy blue things but they were interesting all right that's fair Um, Luke Cornett smoked two bunnies uh, at the end of that Pelicans game and then definitely got away with an offensive goaltending on that reverse dunk where he kind of everyone did like it was acting like his smirk was like, oh, I didn't know I could do a reverse dunk. No, watch the tape. Luke Cornett's been doing reverse alley-oop dunks all season. He was smirking because he knew that that he plucked that ball off the rim uh, and he should have been called for it. That should not have been a bucket. But Luke Cornett goes from smoking bunnies to reverse dunks that's just the you know that's the Luke Cornette experience all right this is kind of a weak weak session of uh junk um w- waiting for yours Jay you're the one on scene in Brooklyn and you got nothing for me other than whack-ass wi-fi I've, I've got a pretty good one from saved up from Dallas um it was just kind of pretty funny uh so in the in the locker room after the Celtics beat Dallas I don't think we did junk last podcast. Otherwise, I would have uh, shared it last podcast. But Grant Williams, you know, like the spray deodorant that you use? Like an Axe body spray? Yeah, something like that. Um, so the the Dallas locker room is really small. So there's not really anywhere you can be outside of guys' ways as a reporter. And he started to put on the uh, body spray right before he met with the media. And he was spraying it, and I was standing right behind him, and he fucking just sprayed the the body spray <laughs> on me, and I I kind of reacted. I was like I was like, damn, <laughs> you you just got that all over me. And Marcus Smart chimed in, and I I, I put it down in my notes because I didn't I didn't want to botch the quote because it, it was pretty funny. He, he he chimed in to me. Don't let him disrespect you like that. <laughs> you, you a man first. <laughs> and I, I just thought that was fantastic. Well, that is a uh, that is fantastic. And you didn't let him disrespect you. You 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 told him off immediately. Although you probably still walked around Dallas for the rest of the night smelling like an axe. Yeah, it, it, he probably improved my sense. Um, but <laughs> what, if it was, what if it was on purpose? What if you were just like oh, like a bad odor and he's just like deliberately it, it was sprayed in it my on you? Face. Like it was in my face too. It was it was it was a tough tough moment for the kids. 
but but Marcus Smart's humor made made it funny. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Get ready. I will be going to Charlotte. I will be at both games. I'll Jay King will not, so maybe I'll have some uh, important tales from the locker room and maybe some important tales from the uh, couch of an NBA assistant coach. Who knows? Get ready to listen to that podcast next week. Thank you guys for listening to this one. Please rate, review, do all that stuff podcast listeners to do. And thank you for listening to this episode of All right, bro.